If you need a laugh, here on your behalf It's bad mates, are we fighting crime? Or just wasting time? It's bad mates, lunch, boom, crash, kapow Stream a download, holy cow You can stop listening now to bad mates Because we're bad mates Hello and welcome to Batmates, the only Batman podcast that genuinely wants you to have a happy holidays. And if you don't, we will come and find you. My name is Becca, and last Christmas, I didn't have a podcast. But this year, to save me from tears, I'm giving you this episode, because you're someone special. Dear Santa, my name is Josh, and this year I have been a very good boy. Here is what I would like on my Christmas list. A full, real-life Batmobile with turbine engine. A copy of Batman Adventures number 12, mint condition. Joshua? Yes? What are you doing? I'm giving Santa my Christmas list. No, we're doing the podcast. What? We're doing the podcast This now. isn't the audio that we send to Santa Claus, as every child does. <laughs> Santa's got a big playlist. Yeah. That would honestly, I feel like that'd be a more efficient way for him to do it, but... Do audio audiobooks... Uh, audiobooks of, of Christmas lists. Of list. children's Christmas lists. Yeah, yeah, but he would have to, like, they'd have to send it in, like, early, early, early. Yeah, yeah. Like, send it in January if you want to make well, sure... Well, the elves need time to make things. Yeah. Honestly, they have such a crunch. Like, kids only... They start asking for things, like, in November or whatever. Yeah. I'm Jewish, so I don't know this, but like, why? Why don't you get? Why don't you send your Christmas list in like the spring <laughs> to give the elves time? Yeah, then you get good stuff. I mean, if you're if you're smart, you start your Christmas list at the beginning of the year. You just like list all the toy commercials you've seen throughout the year. Yeah, <laughs> I used to. Um, we would get catalogs sent to our home, and I would just go through them and like circle the little toys that I wanted. Ah. Uh. I- Sometimes I got some of them. <laughs> Usually not everything I circled. But that's okay. I turned out just fine. Nobody ever did. No. Nobody ever did. Because you buy, you like look at things and you don't understand the value as a kid. Oh, you, yeah. You're like, you're like, ooh, that's a Hot Wheels set. I want a Hot Wheels set. But you don't realize if it's like, it's the big Hot Wheels set that costs like $100. Mm-hmm. I pity parents whose kids are into legos oh man legos are so expensive they are a racket the only i think the only good way to get legos for a child is to get hand-me-down legos from somebody else Mm -hmm. (laughs) because legos are like very expensive even a small kit is like 20 bucks yeah like one where you just get like a tiny car and one figure Mm -hmm. and that's it I've been to, like, the official Lego stores in malls, and, like, you can't get out of there for under, like, 60 bucks. No, yeah. Even for, like, I don't know, a car. Yeah, yeah. No, they're, yes. it's crazy. It's crazy. But I do love their beautiful displays. Yeah. Like, for a while, last, I think it was last Christmas, they had a display that was um, from the 89, it was, like, the Batman 89 series, and every time I walked past it, I would whisper, where does he get those wonderful toys? <laughs> <laughs> and that made me happy. <laughs> Uh, so yeah um, we're a Batman podcast despite appearances yeah we're Batman podcast we're engaged um, and this is our Christmas episode it's a Christmas spectacular it's a Christmas special we're going to talk about today a a Batman number 33 Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Um, which is from the Golden Age yes we're going to talk about a Golden Age comic in in a change of pace because there's not very many Silver Age comics yeah uh like Christmas themed Silver Age comics um, we're going to talk about the Christmas with the Joker animated series episode. From the 90s. And we are going to talk about, what is it called? Silent Night? Um, it is called 
The Silent Night of the Batman. And it's technically a Silver Age comic. However, it's February of 1970, so it's like right there on the cusp between silver and bronze. And yeah, I think like the end of Batman Silver Age is like mid to late 69 or something. Yeah. There was like Robin grows up and goes to college or something, and that's the end of the Silver Age for Batman. Mm -hmm. And this is after that. There was like a change in editors. There's a change in art style. Mm -hmm. um, the some art style of that, is some, beautiful. Yeah, thing. some of that stuff happened before like the, the actual official end, but... But yeah, like this is the one that we're reading is more Bronze Age than Silver Age. So we're looking at Batman Christmas stories from three different eras today. Mm -hmm. um, and just as a kind of way to celebrate with you guys and share some of our favorite Batman Christmas stories with you uh, at the end of what has been an interesting year to say the least. Um, and we hope the next year is better for y'all, and we hope that you guys have a great holiday and a happy new year. Um, and we're going to start by jumping into Christmas with the Joker, which was a Batman the Animated Series uh, episode. It was actually episode two. However, I believe it was the first one, like, created. Are you sure it's episode two? In in the show order or in production order? I think it's two in the production order. It's two in the actual, it was season one, episode two. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But I think you're right that it was like one of the first ones produced. Yeah. Because you can tell, uh, I, this is the one that I- The art style is rough. It is a little rough. And also, uh, I think I made mention of this. This is the one where they had to have Mark Hamill do like the, uh, lip sync mm -hmm. to, uh, Tim, Tim Curry's voice. And you can actually, like, if you listen, I feel like Mark Hamill is doing a Tim Curry impression a, a little. little bit. He hasn't quite like- God, yeah, he own. hasn't made the Joker character his own by the time that they recorded this. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but based on this episode alone, Tim Curry would have been a great Joker. Yeah, if you haven't seen this episode, now is your chance to like stop the podcast, go and watch it, and come back and listen to us talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, it's very interesting. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it is a good one. It, uh, it's a good Christmas, and it's only like 20 minutes. So we start in Arkham Asylum, where uh, the Joker is you know, cavorting, caroling with his fellow inmates. Mm -hmm. He sings, you know, the old the old school theme. Uh, Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. The Batmobile lost a wheel, then Joker got away. I don't know. You probably don't know this. I don't know this for sure. Did what? that, was that song, did they write that song for the animated series? Or was that already a schoolyard no, thing? No, uh, apparently, so there's actually, I would... Again, I'm going to plug something else. This is a YouTube video that you guys can watch. Uh, it's Tom Scott covers this song because apparently the lyrics in like America and England are different. Mm. And it actually differs by region of England and, <laughs> and time, like time that a person was in school. Because it's different in Cardiff than it is in like Scotland. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is really weird. Um, yeah, so... Like jingle bells with changed lyrics. It, they don't. It doesn't always involve Batman, but it usually involves Batman. Okay. Apparently, it it like came about in like the '60s, like when the TV show gained popularity and was like a thing that school children did. Uh, and I think this was like the first time it was on television. Mm. It may have been. And then like right after this, like a couple of months after this, Fox aired an episode of The Simpsons, which also had this uh, like parody jingle bells cool. about Batman. Well, I like it. I, in, yeah. my, in my head, Canon Joker wrote this one. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, so he then, you know, 
just normal stuff. He climbs onto the Christmas tree, um, which he has somehow built into a rocket ship, and he bursts out the ceiling of Arkham Asylum, yeah, he, freeing himself as his own Christmas present. He places the star on top of the Christmas tree, which then turns into a rocket ship and boosts him out of there. Which I'm just wondering, like, how did he how did he build that rocket ship? How did he get the tools and the materials <laughs> in order to do that inside of Arkham Asylum? I mean, he has people on the inside, right? Okay, it's gonna. There, there's some things that are gonna be a little harder to smuggle. <laughs> um, so like a jet engine, like a jet <laughs> engine, yeah, something that you'd use to to build rocket ships. Yeah. Um. So we cut to Wayne Manor, and uh, or actually no, we cut to Batman and Robin. They're patrolling the streets, and Robin's like, "We should go back home." Yeah. There's, there's no, no crime, crime is gonna happen on Christmas like and and there's these like fake out there's this fake out where Batman's like there uh, there's a, there's an old woman walking down and there's a man running after her but then he's like he returns a gift mm-hmm. this one actually it reminds me of the comic we're gonna read later uh the silent night of the Batman yeah a little has that same kind of energy exactly it's yeah. nice um so you know satisfied that the citizens of Gotham can behave themselves for one night they return to Wayne Manor where Robin wants to watch It's a Wonderful Life on TV, and Batman is skeptical about that. He's never seen the movie, but he doesn't like the title. Yeah, I could never get past the title, he says. So they sit down to watch it, and um, the... Every single channel is the same. Uh, it happens to be the Joker on television, airing his very own Joker Christmas special. and He has mm-hmm. taken over the airwaves in order to, uh, you know, show his strength <laughs> on Christmas night and terrorize Gotham. Um, I like the, the, like, opening, like, the cold open of his Christmas special. It was Santa on top of a tank that then explodes into fireworks of the Joker's face. Oh, yeah. Let it not be said that the Joker does not know how to put on a show. The Joker is a show. Showman, he for is sure. dramatic. I liked it. <laughs> he has that flair. That je ne sais quoi. The je ne sais quoi. So they start uh, trying to figure out where he's broadcasting from so they can stop him because obviously he's up to no good. Um, I thought it was dumb that he's tracking the Joker based on power surges, but it's Christmas. So there's lights up all over the city, which means there's power surges happening everywhere. Well, yeah, but Christmas lights don't require as much power as a television like trans transponder transponder trans transformer no oh trans- uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what you're trying to say uh like dish you know thing that the airwaves sure okay antenna antenna got it sure yeah um so yeah you think they would be, still be able to find them through i mean it takes them a while yeah well the first place that they go to i think is like where he set up like a relay yeah because they they go to a place where he isn't and i think that's just like where he's bouncing the signal off of yeah so joker uh reveals the actual stakes of his ploy which is that he has kidnapped three of gotham citizens and uh is no not just three of gotham citizens to do something bad so wait okay so there's uh, Jim Gordon. Yeah, who's Daddy... Okay, he calls them the Awful Lawfuls. The Awful Lawful. Daddy Lawful. Daddy Lawful. Love it. Jim, uh, Gordon. Jim Gordon, yeah. And then Baby Lawful, I love... Harvey as, Bullock. As Harvey Bullock. That gets me. Uh-huh. Who's that lady? I have no idea who she I is. I don't know who she's supposed to be. She's... I don't know if she's supposed to be Jim Gordon's wife or who she's supposed to be. She's supposed to be Summer Gleason. Summer Gleason. Oh, they never... Say her name. Okay, so Summer is she's not a, a police person though. She's a she's like a reporter, isn't she? I think so. Okay, so it doesn't make sense that she's part of the awful lawfuls. I don't. 
I don't, I don't know. But I guess <laughs> okay. she was a character who they had drawn in an episode previous, and they were like, yeah, let's just use Summer again. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if she's only... Or, I mean, like, she premiered in the animated series. I know they used her a lot, because she's in a lot of the news reports. Like, yeah. Uh, when the Joker... Or, or when somebody sets up a Joker-themed casino, she's the one that, like, reports on it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, first I thought it was Renee Montoya, but I was like, wait a minute, that's not Montoya. No, because Montoya has black hair, and, and uh, Summer Gleason has, like, auburn red hair or something. Yeah. So, uh... I love the next part. Um, he reveals his next plan is to... He's, so he's not just going to kidnap them. He's got other things that he wants to do throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which is blowing up uh, bridges. Yep. So he cuts to two goons that he's paid to go and blow up a bridge. It's like a railroad bridge. So uh, he blows it up successfully. And he's like, oh, look, the 11 o'clock to Gotham's heading into the city. And... Summer Gleason starts crying, and she's like, my mother's on that train. And he's like, oh, good. That's funny. <laughs> oh, the other thing we haven't covered, though, is that uh, the all three of them, uh, Jim Gordon, Summer Gleason, and Harvey Bullock, all have candy canes in their mouths, which seem, as gags. Which seem to be act, acting as gags, but like, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to spit them out. They probably have guns on them. They just can't Maybe, show that. Yeah. It's an animated TV show for kids. I don't know, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Summer says her mom's on that train and Robin <laughs> says to Batman, we've got to stop that train. She's <laughs> like, you think? After, after Batman has already like pulled a U-turn yeah. within the Batmobile. I love it. He's like, wait, where are we going? <laughs> Just wanted to make sure we're actually going to stop that train, right? It's a very cool train design. Oh yeah. I thought oh, you would have some things to say very, about it. Very, very art deco. Mm-hmm. I don't really have anything to say about it because it's not like supposed to be a real train engine it looks a lot like um just any streamlined train from like the 30s to the 50s these these like big round engines big fins and stuff all over it Mm -hmm. they they look really cool i really like the art deco style of the animated series they look fast i like all the transportation and i think the car in the animated series looked really cool oh yeah the one that gets run over by the tank at the beginning Mm -hmm. that one's like again it's like 30s 40s like very stylized art deco yeah i like police blimps yeah (laughs) i love me some police blimps the the architecture the like art deco architecture every building looks like the empire state building almost (laughs) all right so uh i had a further question actually about trains uh so batman and robin get to the train and they decide to split up uh batman instructs robin Robin to you know uncouple the trains and take care of the passenger cars while he's gonna go up where the engineer is mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so Robin is able to uncouple it and then he uses the brake to stall to stop it so that the passenger cars aren't yes. gonna fall off however it's a little too late for the conductor so Batman just like goes up to the window and he's like get out of the train and like pulls him out <laughs> he, I think he says the bridge is out yeah and the <laughs> guy's like I'll fall out the window then okay sure uh, Which is there... weird. Would, wouldn't you be so scared to like have Batman just pop up into the window yes. and have the bridge is out? Yes, honestly, yes. But I'm wondering: is there usually just one guy up there? Wouldn't there be other? Doesn't there... he need like a navigator? What? Aren't there supposed to be guys like shoveling? Yeah, there's coal. supposed to be a guy shoveling coal. I don't think you need a navigator because trains are on rails. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, why do you even need a conductor then? Somebody press start and stop. Engineer is what is I think the term you're looking for. Conductor is the guy who tells trains when they can go. He stands like outside, or he'll be on like the back of the car. Really? Yeah. The conductor doesn't stay inside the. 
Well, he'll he'll stay in like the caboose or whatever because mm-hmm. he can like he like gives the 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 signals with the lanterns and stuff to tell the the engineer how like when to back up and I how far you. he can back up and that sort of stuff. Hmm. You know who wouldn't have let this happen? Skimble Shanks, the railway cat. <laughs> he would have made sure no bridges would have gone out. He would have gotten that train there on time. <laughs> Anyway. Um, but yeah, only one guy and he jumps out. I don't know. Was, again, this is like Batman the Animated Series alternate future. So maybe they don't need a guy shoveling coal. Yeah. Uh, so the Joker... So they, they show it's like where the Joker's signal is coming from. There's nobody there. It's kind of a, a big... It's an observatory. Trap. Yeah. Um, and they are about to be, you know, put in peril. And the, it does one of my favorite things that like old like 90s cartoons used to do where they would be like and now a word from our sponsors and then it actually would cut to commercial yeah yeah, um, yeah. the joker says a word from our sponsors mm-hmm. and then it cuts to black where they would put a commercial in in the airing what i'm wondering is did joker actually get sponsors for his christmas special and if so who are his sponsors <laughs> i mean ace chemicals is a shoe in obviously that's true he's yeah. their greatest product yeah cyanus steel products probably oh yeah <laughs> Who's corrupt in Gotham? <laughs> I mean, uh, Iceberg Lounge probably had a spot oh, in yeah. there. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's winter. It's probably their biggest season. <laughs> Come down to the Iceberg Lounge, mm-hmm. <laughs> run by Oswald Cobblepot. Yeah. Oh, what fun. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess he does have sponsors. <laughs> uh, so my favorite thing in this next scene is uh, you were asking, how, like, what are so Robin runs into this warehouse and there's these like stand-up figures of the Joker with guns and all he has to do is kind of just like run in between them so that they shoot at each other and yeah. fall down. They have well they don't have guns. Their fingertips Their are guns. Yeah. He he's like he he's giving this like uh he's giving the five dollar foot long <laughs> yeah. stance where he's he's doing like a this big kind of thing motion with his hands mm-hmm. and like all five of the fingers have bullet uh muzzles on them yes. and they're shooting at him easily avoided the big problem is a gun that i think the joker straps to like the observatory tower which is like shooting yeah it's supposed to be it's it's like where the observatory's big telescope would be yeah except he's turned it into a giant a cannon laser. yeah so batman calls to robin and he's like do operation cause and effect and then Robin all, knows what that means. Robin's like, got it. And he basically just like throws a little like, I don't know, thingy at the laser. Batarang, is it? And blows it up. So I guess Operation Cause and Effect just means blow up the closest thing that's causing us harm. <laughs> I don't know why it's called that though. Sure, Operation Cause. Why not just be like, Robin, blow up the telescope. <laughs> That seems like a good plan. I mean, they were able to speak candidly in the last scene. He was like, all right, you uncouple the car and stop that car, and I'm going to throw this guy out yeah. a window. We're doing yeah. it. I don't know. This is, I again, like, we, we said this is, like, the second <laughs> yeah. the second one in the production order or whatever. They're, the writers were probably still getting their feet. <laughs> feet wet, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so they finally figure out, uh, from watching more of the show, the Joker brings out some doll that's been out of production for, like, 20 years, and it mm-hmm. comes from a place called LAFCO. Um, so they decide well, that that must be where he's holding the hostages. Yeah, well, Joker brings out this doll, and he says that it, like, oh, you, all you have to do is wind it up, and then it destroys the city. I thought for sure that that was going to be, like, he had a giant robot doll that no. was going to start wreaking havoc in the city. No. I mean, 
mean, his, uh, you know, there's only so much. He only had so much time to put this all together. He blew up a bridge. That was supposed to be the main thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, Batman foiled that. So now he's like, well, at least I can kill three people. That'll be fine. <laughs> you know, let him have his Christmas. Um, so they decided that Lafco must be where he is because the mm-hmm. only place these dolls could be, I guess. He couldn't have got it from, like, some kind of toy collector. Well, it's the only place in Gotham where they still make, or where they made them. Yeah. But they closed down 14 years ago and they still have stock. Yeah. Well, Lafco went out of business, he said, I think he said 18 years ago, and the whole place just stayed empty. There's no other no. businesses that wanted to go in that warehouse or it, use that equipment. It didn't stay empty, though. It has, it still has, it has stock. like, yes. giant bears and giant uh what are they the like tin men or whatever yeah <laughs> toy soldiers mm-hmm. uh and that doll that he found i meant empty of like workers like no one's using it for anything it's just well, I, tons of stuff in there collecting listen dust. i think what is it you said that when you went to ohio it was like all empty yeah. strip malls Good i think that's buildings. what gotham is 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 like empty industrial districts <laughs> This is an anti-Cleveland podcast. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland's nothing but gutted buildings. I think that's discussion. what Gotham is like. Yeah. I think Gotham, like Gotham used to be a big industrial thing in like the 1800s and the early 1900s. And then like, I don't know, some economic collapse happened and they all went under and then nobody ever bought up any of the property. Yeah, Gotham never recovered from the Great Depression. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, whoever the mayor was, was like, New Deal, no, I refuse. <laughs> They just stayed in a depression. <laughs> Honestly, it makes sense. It does, yeah. Uh, so that's why they still have like bootleggers and stuff. <laughs> that's true, gang forties gangsters, yeah. but also like airplanes. And yeah, <laughs> uh, Batman uh, is getting attacked by these like flying planes, and he grabs a baseball bat and he starts like hitting them with all this precision. And Robin had my favorite line of the episode, which was, "They don't call you Batman for nothing." Yeah, that's a. <laughs> A classic Robin Zinger. I love it. I wish he'd stayed that way for the whole series. Oh, I he like, does that. Yeah, he does. Does he? I don't know. I feel like he gets a little moody later. Well, yeah. In, like, the later seasons, because they're trying to set him up for leaving Batman for, like, the new animated series when he becomes Nightwing. Yeah. Uh, so they finally run into the Joker. He's got uh, Summer and... Uh, Jim Gordon, Gordon yeah. and Bullock over some pit of lava. Yeah, and what is that? Is it like hot <laughs> tomato t- soup or whatever? <laughs> it's like hot molten plastic. Yeah. For the toys. I don't know. Um, and, uh, you know, classic villain setup. He's got some string that he's about to cut. And he gives Batman a present and he's like, open it. And Robin's like, don't. <laughs> he's like, hold it. And he opens it up, and classic Joker move, it's a pie in the face. And yeah. that's all Joker wanted for Christmas was to get, just, he knew he wasn't going to kill anybody. He just wanted to get one over on Batman. And yeah. he, he did. He did. And he almost escaped. Um, <laughs> Batman manages to save all three of his friends and also capture the Joker, who then spends Christmas in a solitary confinement cell in Arkham Asylum in a straitjacket. Laughing all the way. Ha, Laughing ha, ha. all the way to Arkham Asylum. Yep. And uh, and then they, he finally watches It's a Wonderful Life. And he likes it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he does. It's a good I think he says uh, at the end of the episode, uh, it true. well, Robin says something like, it truly is a wonderful life. And, and Bruce goes... It has its moments. It has its moments. It actually, it ends with the same shot that It's a Wonderful Life does, that like ringing bell. Yeah. Which is sweet. Um, Yeah, so that was Christmas the Joker. Love that one. That was our color commentary. That was our color commentary. Feel free to watch that along with the episode. Oh, um, it was written by Eddie Gorodetsky and directed by Kent Butterworth. Mm. 
next, we are going to chat a little bit about Batman 1. No, just regular 33. No, yeah. Batman 33. <laughs> because we are in the golden age now. Yes. So that's something to keep in mind for this comic. And I might mention it once or twice. Uh, this is before the comics code was instated. This was, what was it, like 1942, I think? Or 41? <clears throat> This was uh, 1946. 46. Mm. Okay, okay. But still, we're we're like 10 years before the comics code becomes, you know, instated. And it shows. It's dark. It is. It gets pretty it's dark. It's a Christmas comic uh, with three Santas, but it's really dark. Oh, and then I guess the other thing to mention is, I don't know if it was this one or the other one we looked at, because we did look at another Batman uh, Christmas comic. Uh, where he, like, fights the Nazis. Mm -hmm. That one was also really dark. Yeah. I, we looked at some uh, Golden Age comics, just, like, the cover art, and I was like, we're not doing any of these. There's too many swastikas. <laughs> so, Batman 33. Um, no credited writer, but I'm going to guess it was Bill Finger, because he wrote another comic in in this comic. He wrote one of the other, one of the other little stories. Okay. Um, the penciler and inker was Wynne Mortimer, and the letter was Ira Schnapp. Um, and the cover artist, the cover is beautiful, which is why I'm mentioning it. The cover was done by Dick Sprang. It's this really fantastic um, art of Robin failing beautifully as he tries to put the star on top of the tree and just making a big old mess of it. I would love that on like a poster in my room for Christmas. It's just, it's so funny and so cute. I like <laughs> it. Uh, so check out that cover by Dick Sprang. Which is, it doesn't have anything to do with the comic either. I don't think no. this, this scene never actually happens as in the with, comic. As with almost every cover that we ever see, the scene hardly ever comes to fruition. Yeah. As it's promised. Um, so Batman 33 opens with Batman and Robin in a sleigh on their way to three children's Christmas parties. Yeah. I thought that yeah, was hilarious. Yeah, they said Christmas parties at the beginning. I was thinking like, oh, he's Bruce Wayne. Of he's course. got like, you know, highfalutin <laughs> rich people parties to go to. No, but he's doing his charity thing as we saw in that, uh, who was that? Was that Scarecrow? The one where he was like, oh, I'm going to go to the charity, like, luncheon thingy. Or, yeah, yeah. I don't I, know. Whichever one. He went to, like, the police commission. Actually, I think it might have been Penguin. Yeah, I think it was Penguin. Yeah. Police commissioner luncheon. Yeah. In, like, full. You know, he's doing his, his community service on Christmas, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I kind of like the idea of, like, Batman just showing up at some, like, random, like, 10-year-old's Christmas party and being like, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the booze? No. Uh, we meet uh, three of Mrs. Milligan's boarders, who are three men who are down on their luck. Mrs. Milligan uh, is an Irish stereotype, and she only shows up in the comic for, like, the four panels that she's in. Yeah. You can't have a Christmas story without an old Irish lady being like, Ah, oh, it's the meaning of Christmas. <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> Uh, her three boarders, we don't really learn their names until like later in the comic. Yeah. Um, so one of them is an ex-con who was falsely imprisoned and whose wife died while he was in prison. And so. he was framed for murder. Yeah. Or, or he, it just says that he was innocent of murder. It doesn't say he was framed. Yeah. So I don't know why he got put in jail. Like, what made him suspicious in the first place? We, we never get told. We never get anybody's backstory, truly, in this. Yeah. So we have the ex-con. We'll call him the ex-con for now. Mm -hmm. um, 
we have the one whose name we do learn pretty earlier. His name is Jim. Uh, he was locked up in an asylum by his nephews who wanted to steal his fortune and like take it over so they could do their own nefarious things with yeah. it. Yeah. How weird is his family where like the next power of attorney is his nephews? Well, if he doesn't have any kids. But like, wouldn't it be his sister? Why would it, or his, or his brother or whoever these nephews are like the sons of? Maybe they're also dead. He's pretty old. That's true. If he has, you know, dead, dead siblings and no children, never married. I guess so. Yeah. Those are like his only living relatives. Yeah, probably. Which makes it easier to, you know, get one over on the old guy. (laughs) Nobody else to protect him. It also, uh, like, this whole story about him being falsely put in an, in a sane asylum, uh, like, really reminded me of that thing where uh, they, what was it? These researchers went to asylums and claimed insanity and then, mm-hmm. like, saw how long it took for them to act normal to get out. Mm-hmm. And, like, sometimes it took them months. Yeah. And then they also, same researchers, contacted asylums and told them that they were going to be doing the experiment and then never actually sent anybody. And, like, the the asylums said that they found, like, 70 people who they thought were faking it yeah. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, there's a ton of history of, like you know, people abusing that, you know, asylum mental health system to just, like, lock away people who they just, like, didn't want to deal with anymore. It's yeah. it's really horrible. Especially, you know, back, back in, like, the 40s and 50s and 60s when, like, just any, like, abnormal behavior was considered, like, a mental illness. Yeah. Like, homosexuality, for instance, could get you locked up in an asylum, which is clearly not a mental illness. Um, and, like, just so many things that we now see as just, like, you know, it's... Atypical, but it's not a mental illness. It's, yeah, it's, it's not something that you need to be locked up for. And even honestly, is there really, there's not really any mental illnesses that you need to be locked up for, except I would say maybe like criminal violent tendencies, you should maybe get more in depth help. But I would say for the most part, most whatever, people should Whatever be, most homeless people have that causes them to like not be able to take care of themselves. Yeah. Most people would be fine and like, a group home yeah, kind of setting yeah. or, you know, some Well, I mean, that's what most care. of, like, modern as- asylums actually are anyway. Yeah. Anywho, that is our digression. Don't put your, don't put your, don't put your family member in an asylum this Christmas. To it, steal their money. It won't solve your problems. So, okay, I love this. We have the ex-con who was framed for murder, possibly, lost everything. We have the former rich man whose own family locked him in an asylum. And then we have the third guy who's like, oh, you think that's bad? <laughs> I was an actor, but now they say I can't act anymore. Because I'm, I'm too, too old. old. This guy has the same backstory as Clayface number one. Well, there was a couple different things with Clayface number one. He was, like, embezzling money. That was part of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and Well, his whole thing wasn't that he was told he was too old. They were remaking his classic movie, and he was like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> My gun says otherwise. <laughs> so that was his whole thing. Oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, I love that, that he's like, oh, yeah, I... My story, that's the, that's the real sad one. And they're yeah. all like, you know what? We've all suffered. <laughs> so none of them are in the Christmas spirit. Uh, none of us believe in Santa Claus, I think is what the end of that panel, which is like a, a theme of this comic, something about like uh, Batman is looking for three Santa Clauses, but people don't believe in Santa Claus or something. Kind of. It's like this weird theme. And I, I just have this question. How does being upset about these 
you know, justifiably things to be upset about lead to a disbelief in Santa Claus? I think I think they're talking more generally As about like a like Christmas spirit. The Christmas spirit. Okay. The spirit of giving, the spirit of like being joyful. Um, you know, trying to fight against that seasonal depression. Got it, got <laughs> so, it. So, <laughs> yeah, like you said, Batman rolls up and wants them to play Santa at these parties. Mm-hmm. Um, all three of them agree. I think it's it's funny that they agree for different reasons. Um, he mentions the one party that's happening at the children's hospital and Jim, who's the asylum ex-asylum person says that you know oh i used to be a benefactor of that children's hospital i'd love to go back and like Mm -hmm. see how they're doing so he agrees to that one um he mentions the other parties at an orphanage and the ex-con says oh you know i bet those kids feel abandoned just like a lot of convicts in prison do which i love that this this comic like it humanizes inmates and i just love that i think that's (laughs) that's a beautiful message for christmas is that inmates are people too and if you have time you should maybe send one of them a christmas card Anywho, um, <laughs> only this guy who was falsely imprisoned. No, any any real mur- real guys who murder their wife don't deserve Christmas cards. Well, you know what? Maybe send a Christmas card to somebody in prison because most likely they're in there for a nonviolent drug offense. <laughs> so that's not funny. That's not a joke. Uh. So so he's like, you know, orphans must feel abandoned, like mm-hmm. inmates feel abandoned. So I'm gonna go to the orphanage. Then the actor, the actor. <laughs> He's like, I'm not gonna do it. You, can't, I'm, I don't. I won't wanna, be swayed by what is his. I won't be any. Be swayed by sentiment or something like that. He says, like he says, um, I'm not gonna let sentiment get the best of me. <laughs> and Batman says, that's too bad because I've got to find a Santa Claus to take part in a Christmas play at Sam Arden's theater. And he says, theater? Did you say? I'll do it. This man is a cartoon theater person. This ham. He's like, any excuse to get back on stage. And honestly, after the year that these theater professionals have had, <laughs> I feel it. Oh, man. So the asylum guys and nephews meet and start to realize, like, hey, I well, heard, they, I he heard that he broke out. Yeah, we need yeah. to we need to find him and silence him. Yeah. Uh, Plot his downfall. Exactly. Uh they're planning on killing him because they have they're currently using his money to run their businesses mm-hmm. and he worry they worry that if he, you know, comes back into control of his fortune, he's just gonna, you know spend it on foolish charities. Pilfer it away on the needy. <laughs> and how could they do that when they're trying to run a brokerage? Here's my thing, why doesn't he just be like, Okay, you've got your businesses, great, you're making me more money, cool, I'm still gonna donate some of it to Philanthropy and like. Well, I don't we can... think he wanted to give them the money in the first place. I guess it, not. it describes um, one of these guys, one of the nephews, as a spendthrift, which mm. means like somebody who spends superfluously. So maybe he was like, "Oh, they're just going to squander my wealth on on meaningless things, yeah. and I want to give it away to charity." And maybe. that's why he never wanted to give it to them in the first place. They don't seem to be doing that currently. They seem to be well profiting. Maybe. Two of them seem to have businesses. I don't know if that third guy does. Mm. No, one one is a brokerage firm and the other two are sharing a business. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, either way, they don't want it to go to charity. Ergo, they foolish, are, foolish charities they is what are they call them. The bad guys. Yeah, they're really bad guys, which we will see <laughs> even more later in this comic. So uh, they go and they find uh, the 
Mrs. Milligan because they think that he's been staying there. And she's like, oh, Correctly, yeah. Correctly, too. I don't yeah. know where they got that info because that's really great info. Yeah, I don't know. He said, like, he had a friend who saw him maybe go in there or something like that. So he, oh, like, okay. matched his description. Um, so she says that he and two other guys are off playing Santa's, but she doesn't know where they went, but she knows, like, the location of all three parties. So they're mm. like, okay, we'll go to all three. Um, so at the orphanage, the dynamic duo insists that Santa be the main star of this Christmas party. So here's my question. Well, they're, a- not, they're not insisting. They're just saying, like, remember... We're just here for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Santa's the main attraction because we got to go to three of these things. That's true. So we're we're gonna leave, we're gonna head out early. We're gonna bounce early. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna head out. Yeah, I gotta leave. But you, like Santa's gonna stay here to be with the kids. Yeah. Oh, they're just okay. He's yeah, that's just, what they're saying. I see. He's reassuring them. Like, don't worry. I'm a bounce, but Santa's gonna be here. Exactly. I got you. Yeah. But here's my question: As a kid, would you rather meet Santa or Batman? What would you be more excited to meet? Oh, man, I would probably be more excited to meet Batman. Yeah. Although, I mean, yeah, no, yeah, definitely Batman. Yeah, like Santa's cool. He's like meeting your grandfather. It's like, yeah, it's great to see you. You're you're warm, and I love you, and I know I'm going to get a present, and it is fun to see you, and you're jolly and nice, <laughs> but you didn't punch the penguin in the face. <laughs> and, like, that would be really cool if you did pop pop, but... <laughs> You didn't do that. <laughs> you didn't... Well, I guess I was going to say go to a different planet and defeat aliens, but that was in the Silver Age, so that hasn't yeah. happened yet. Okay. I've met quite a few... I've met Santa quite a few times in a couple different S- places. Santa comes around every year. Batman yeah. doesn't come around all the time. No, no, no. I meet Santa at least once a year. He just always seems to show up at whatever mall I'm at. So, yeah. like, that's cool that we have made that connection. Um, but the one time I did meet Kevin Conroy was way cooler than any of the times that I have met Santa. When you met the voice of Batman. Yes. So I would say, yes, more excited to meet Batman. And, you know, God rest his soul, I would have loved to have met Adam West. That would have been really cool. But... I think even meeting, like, Michael Keaton or something would be really cool. Do you think? I do. I do think. I feel like Michael Keaton would be, like... Weird? I just, you know, he's had such a vast career. Like, Batman, I feel like... It's just a blip on his radar? Not a blip, really, because he made Birdman a couple years ago, and that was almost like sort of a, like a love letter to his performance as Batman. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that movie? No, I haven't. I should, should watch it. Yeah. You should. It's really good. Uh, um, he, was also, he also played uh, Falcon in... in uh, he was really good in that. Yeah, in the Spider-Man movie. I don't know. I'm sure Michael Keaton's a nice guy. It'd be cool to meet him. I wouldn't, like, nerd out and be like, oh my god, you're batting. I would. It'd be, like, the same, like, if you met, like, George Clooney or, like... Uh. (laughs) If I met Christian Bale, I would be excited for numerous reasons. Not just because he played Batman. I respect him for a lot of things. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, honestly, I feel like the only person who could have topped meeting Kevin Conroy would be meeting Adam West, and that'll never happen, unfortunately, Mm. until... I meet him in heaven someday. Wonderful. <laughs> someday we'll all be together. Uh, so wait for me, Adam. Can't wait to see you. Anyway, that was a weird digression. Uh, so Jim's nephews show up, and the uh, the theme of this episode emerges. They mug Santa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do... Uh, can you scroll down in the comic? Uh, yeah. I, I want to see... Uh, there's a line in here about something about through no fault of his own. Uh, <laughs> 
this man, uh, this is the this is the first Santa that they nab is the Santa who is falsely imprisoned for yeah. killing his wife. Yeah. Um, and he talks about being imprisoned through, through no, no fault, fault of his own, own which uh, makes me think the lady doth protest too much. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, wrong place, wrong time, maybe. Mm. But here again, wrong place, wrong time. He didn't even do anything to these people, and they're kidnapping him and throwing him in a bag. That's true. Yeah. Well, they're just doing it because they don't know which Santa is the Santa that they're looking for. Although, why do they need to capture all three? Why don't they capture one at a time and determine whether or not the one they have is the one that they want? I don't think they know what G- what Jim looks like. <laughs> you don't think they know what their uncle looks like? I don't like? think they can distinguish him from any other old white man. <laughs> Maybe they all three of them have facial blindness and they can't <laughs> they can't determine what it is. Because that's the thing is like they go through the trouble to capture all three Santas in this comic when they could just capture them one at a time and figure out which one is which. I you know what? But that wouldn't that wouldn't put them all together in the same place for the final act. Okay, okay. I understand. We have to suspend our disbelief a little bit. Yeah. Got it. Just like we have to suspend our disbelief that there is a contractor that would uh, build Joker mannequins with guns in their hands. Exactly. Um, so they kidnap the Sandy Claws and Inside, Batman shows up to the party casually late, and the kids are like, Hi, Batman. Where's Santa? We saw him get out of his sleigh, and then he immediately got back in. Which is weird, because you see the kids with their heads, like, pressed up to the glass, like they're watching this happen. They're watching him arrive, and they presumably see him maybe their perspectives off maybe this windows on the side there's no front facing windows on the building or by the time he gets to the door he's so close to the building that they can't see him maybe they're all on the second floor and this is like yeah it's like underneath it's like in the overhang something like that yeah yeah, yeah. this is happening in an alcove yeah this is this is like obscured from their view yeah they can't see him get they can't see him get like knocked out but they can see him walk back to the sled they see him so they see santa come to the door and then immediately Turn around, turn around and, and leave. leave. But also there's two mysterious guys behind him. Because yes. not only did uh, Jim's nephews kidnap Santa Claus, they put on their own separate Santa Claus disguise that they brought. I'm not sure exactly why they <laughs> they did that. I thought at first that they had taken the Santa Claus costume no. that, that this man was wearing. No, there are four Santa Clauses in this. Yes, they have their own Santa Claus costume. Yeah, it's... Which I guess they picked up at, like, the, the costume shop? Yeah. Well, actually, no. I do know. Because they mm, they use that Santa outfit to then get into the other two Christmas parties. Exactly. Which are already yes. happening. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Batman and Robin hear from the children that Santa has bounced. They're like, that's weird. Let's investigate. Um, they He says that he calls the children's hospital, or he calls the police to be like, hey, something bad's going to happen at the children's hospital. But, oh, and there are two officers stationed outside. However, the t- the Santa and his, you know, two helpers happen to get past the police because they're like, oh, great, it's Santa. Oh, and he's got four living reindeer. That's cute. I love it's it. It's the perfect disguise. No one's going to stop Santa Claus on Christmas. Not on Christmas. He's got places to be. Exactly. Things to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to get away with a crime on Christmas, dress up as Santa. No one's going to stop you. Yeah, I think that's the entire uh, theme of the movie Bad Santa. Is it? I <laughs> Actually, haven't seen that movie. I, I do think that they try to pull off like a heist in that movie. Do they? But he ends up learning a little bit about uh, growing as a person mm. also interesting <laughs> i've also never seen eight crazy nights but i feel like i would like it 
Anyway. Um, We're going to have so many digressions. This episode is going to be so long. It's our Christmas special. It's super size. It is super size. We okay. skipped last week. <laughs> so we were tired. Uh, so at the hospital, Jim is being completely precious. I love this scene. He's saying like, oh, I have this special dolly for you. <laughs> I love it. Um, and they say, you know, oh, there's somebody outside for you, Santa. Um, he also thinks that he wants his fortune back so he can help people. This has inspired him to continue on with his philanthropic ways. So he's now inspired to do whatever it takes to get his life back in order, confront his nephews. He doesn't yet know that this whole scheme is going on, but whatever yeah. it takes, he's going to... Yeah. He's going to fix it. He, um, he like, makes a decision. He's like, I'm done with hiding from my nephews. I have to get my fortune so I can help children again. Mm-hmm. We got to kidnap the Sandy Claws part two, where <laughs> uh, Jim's nephews jump out and they try to stuff him in a bag again. However, the dynamic duo show up again um, and attempt to thwart this. Here's the weird thing. So he's got his, his one nephew that's dressed as Santa, yeah. threatens to kill the sick kids in the other room, but it's an afterthought. He says, not one more step and you die, not to mention my fellow Santa Claus and maybe some of those youngsters in there. I don't know. Maybe it just says like we'll, a dessert. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I got a lot of like, bullets in this gun. Threatening, threatening the man who's playing Santa Claus wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. He has to threaten to also go and kill some children in order to get Batman Sick to Sick children. Back he doesn't even know if their prognosis is good. <laughs> that's That's tough. That's really tough. These are really bad guys. The Golden Age was so dark. Yeah. So in order to protect the sick children from being murdered, uh, the dynamic duo allow themselves to be captured and tied up um, and put into a little vacant room. Um, Batman is tied to a wheelchair. Yes, both of them are. They're both in wheelchairs. Okay, okay. So we go to see our third Santa, our favorite, the actor. Um, he is performing for slum children. That's what which the comic calls them. Slum ch- who who no. talk like, I guess they're supposed to be like stereotypical, like, I don't know, like poor 50s Brooklyn nights. I wish my big brother was here. He says they ain't no Santa Claus. Yeah. Is how it's spelled out. The, yeah, they're they're like poor. I mean, I, they look like hillbillies to they me. Do. But I guess, you know. Poor, like, inner city children could also be, describe them. Although they're, they're all... children. They're all white. They're all white, yeah. <laughs> Interestingly. <laughs> Although, I, I don't know if I see a single person of color in this comic, honestly. No, it's, it's 1946. It's 1946. Black people weren't invented yet. <laughs> Not in comics, at least. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so, they have the bad guys show up again. Oh, wait, there was this cute scene where he meets uh, Sam Arden, who owns his theater, and Sam Arden tells Santa, you're doing a nice job, Santa. I would almost think you'd had experience on the stage. And he says, you don't say. (laughs) Which I loved. Um, This guy is the greatest of all the Santas, if only because he's so over the top. He's the greatest as in he's the worst person, and he's the only person I wouldn't mind if he gets shot. He's such a terrible person. Every single thing that he does is incredibly selfish. Yeah, if he got shot, I wouldn't have minded. Well, uh, he does do one good thing in the end. That's true. He does a couple good things in the end. That's true, that's true. We'll get to it. Okay. Um, The the gangsters surround him and say that they're going to 
Start shooting kids again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the bad guy threatens to shoot into the crowd of children who mm-hmm. are behind the curtain. Through the curtain into your juvenile audience. He doesn't even care who he hits. No. As long as he Just causes Just blindly bloodshed. firing into a crowd of children. <laughs> so they give the three Santas who are, you know, now all together an ultimatum. One of them has to come forward and say which one is their Uncle Jim. Um, Again, they can't just take the, ma- the the like beards off. Yeah, no. They can't <laughs> tell. They can't tell. They don't know what their uncle looks like. They don't know like. what he looks like. Um, so this beautiful moment happens where they all think to themselves what they should do. And then they have this moment, which I'm calling, I'm Sparta Claus. <laughs> <laughs> all three of them step forward and claim to be Jim Jocelyn and be like, kill me. No, take me. No, I'm him. The Here one guy says, my time is nearly up. Which yeah. is incredibly morbid. I think that's the real Jim. Is it really? Yeah, if anyone dies, it might as well be me. My time is nearly up anyway. Jeez. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah, I love it. Or was that the actor? Because the actor was the one who was like, I'm too old to play anything. I can't do anything. That's so weird. Honestly, I have never seen like an aging actor that like his career, like they're still letting... Clint Eastwood do stuff and he's like 99 I don't know <laughs> hey Google how old is Clint Eastwood Clint Eastwood is 90 years old he's 90 and they are still letting him direct <laughs> and make movies and star in them and be like a romantic lead he's 90 but like if you turn like 34 in Hollywood as a woman they're like well you're we're gonna just kill you now no that's not true you can play somebody's grandma you can play a grandma yeah you can play old I mean most of the old guys in Hollywood play grandpas as well like they're like they're in grandpa movies. But sometimes now. they're also daddies. <laughs> it depends. Anyway, so they all step forward. They all claim to be the real one. Um, and at the hospital, Batman bursts in. He's escaped from his his bounds and to not terrify the children, he's like, "Ha ha! That was my escaping a wheelchair trick. I cooked it up with Santa. Hope you liked it." And he gets to the this theater. This is a terrible wheelchair. It falls apart. Yeah. It, like, completely falls apart. I mean, Batman's a heavy man, and he's been he's been putting some force into it. Oh, uh, you think they tied him to, like, a children's wheelchair, and that's why it falls apart oh, so easily? Maybe. I don't I don't know. <laughs> uh, hadn't thought about that. Uh, so he bursts in, and he heads to the theater, and he and Robin sneak up through the wall, real uh, 60s television show style, getting ready to uh, to jump in and, and save the day. Yeah. Um, Batman swings down onto this confrontation of the three Santas, opening up the curtain. Yeah, he uses the curtain rope to cool. open the curtains as he swings down, mm-hmm. which gives these kids full view of uh, Batman and Robin beating the snot out of two gangsters and one Santa. Yes, it's beautiful. He punches the bad Santa into the chimney, uh, which is fantastic. And then... The yeah, he makes this guy fly like ten does. feet in the air with, with a like single an uppercut. Punch. Yeah, with an uppercut. It's good. Uh, and then one of the Santa says, "You see, there are false Santa Clauses as well as the real one." Um, and it's revealed that the actor was pretending to be Jim Jocelyn. I mean, they were all pretending to be to be Jim Jocelyn, mm-hmm. but he kind of says out loud, "It's like, haha." I was not Jim Jocelyn. I was just me, myself. And this uh, theater owner is like, wait, you were lying? But I believed you. You are a magnificent actor. And he's like, thank you. I used to be an actor, but now I'm too old. And he's like, 
Poppycock, I will make you a star once more. I will make you, what does he say, like the most famous man in the world or the, something? The greatest character actor in America. <laughs> and honestly, it's funny to me because I just, I just watched Mank, which is all about how like William, well, it's about the writing of Citizen Kane, but there's a subplot about William Randolph Hearst, like, you know, creating a film career for Marion Davies, even though she like, I mean, I've never really seen any of the movies. The whole like... Thing between them was like Marion Davies wasn't like a really good actress she was just like you know banging William Randolph Hearst for like decades so he was like I will give you a film career with all of my money <laughs> and that's what I think is going to happen between these two <laughs> mm. that's fanon <laughs> yes that's my canon oh boy so he is happy his career is back on track um and then, you know, Jim is, like, going to have control of his fortune, which is great. They decide that, yeah, no, the courts are going to overturn your being crazy and let you have your fortune again. And the con thinks, well, everyone's having a Merry Christmas except for me. Maybe someday my ship will come in, as Dolly Parton says. <laughs> and the... Uh, and the real Jim says, you know what? I think his name is Bob. You've been such a good friend to me and you were ready to take a bullet for me. No, Pete. His name's Pete. Why don't you give me a hand by being my secretary and helping me handle my fortune? And he's like, oh, great. So now they all get to have a Merry Christmas. Yep. I love it. It's a happy ending for all. It's a really nice happy ending. It's a good Christmas story, I think. And they, they face the children and they tell them, of course you youngsters know we're only make-believe Santa Clauses, but there is a real one, a living spirit that brightens the lives of millions, and you can take it straight from us because we've just had the final proof. What do you say to that, kids? And they say, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to everybody! everybody! Which is legally distinct from God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Uh, moral of the story? <laughs> moral of that story? Um, yeah. don't, don't shoot kids. Yeah, don't threaten to shoot children. Don't threaten to shoot kids. I think that's one of the, one of the good things, perhaps, that came out of the silver, uh, of the comic books code is yeah. no more children being threatened. Yeah, honestly, terrifying. Um, or, or like morbidly suicidal guys. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I did enjoy reading this comic. I yeah. would love if we maybe would do some more more golden age comics in our repertoire perhaps yeah. if we can find some some silly ones yeah i don't know we'll if there see. are that many silly ones most of the golden age stuff is like this where it kind of dealt like there's a little bit of silly stuff but it delves pretty deep into like uh actual crime you know what i really enjoyed in this that i kind of now i'm realizing is missing in like a lot of the silver age comics we read is there's like a real emotional heart. There's a there's a moment in it where you it makes you feel something. Yeah. And it's the moment where they all step forward and claim to be Jim to protect the other two. And I just think that's that's so beautiful. And that's something that we never see in any of the Silver Age comics. So he's just like, Batman solved the problem by punching. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just, a, I mean, the comics code watered stuff down. They made it popcorn and, and cotton candy. Listen, I like popcorn just as much as the next person. But there's this, there's this, no substance to it. There's, this was a steak. <laughs> yeah, good. exactly. Something to chew meaty. on. It's meaty. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're going to do something a little different for our next comic. Um, it's going to be kind of a multimedia experience. <laughs> no, multimedia means like like screens and stuff. It's still going to be audio only. It's audio only, but... But we're going to audio engineer the heck out of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, going to be some singing and 
some dancing that you won't see <laughs> and some narration. We're going to kind of perform this next comic for you because it's very short. Um, it's in Batman 219 and it's called The Silent Night of the Batman. Mm-hmm. I think it's only like eight pages long. Yeah, and this was published uh, 1970. 1970. Yeah. So very, very, very end of the Silver Age, mostly Bronze Age. You'll definitely notice the art style is way different. If you read the comic. If you yeah. read the comic. I would I, I would tell you to read along as we're... As we're yeah, about that's a it. good idea, actually. Yeah, you can find it on uh, DC's app, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Batman Two Nineteen: The Silent Night of the Batman was written by Mike Friedrich. The penciler was Neil Adams. The inker was Dick Giordano. The colorist was Jerry Serp, and the letterer was Gaspar Saladino. We're going to be starting midway through the comic of Batman Two Nineteen. Mm-hmm. Night falls on Christmas Eve in Gotham. The sidewalks bustle with last-minute shoppers, a peaceful, almost heavenly scene. Would injustice and tragedy dare creep in? There is too much contrary experience to believe otherwise for the Batman. Then, as the eerie bat signal shimmers against a snow-filled cloud, the atmosphere takes on a celestial composition. For 2,000 years, mystics have experienced the many mysteries surrounding Christmas. Tonight... There will be one more, the silent night of the Batman. Batman arrives on the roof of the Gotham City Police Department building and greets his old friend, Commissioner Jim Gordon. What's the emergency tonight, Commissioner? No emergency, Batman. Quite the opposite, in fact. I called you in because Christmas Eve is not a night for you to be out patrolling. Tis the season to be jolly. Like the saying goes, you know it and I know it. Now tell them. Crime and disaster aren't inclined to observe holidays. Jim ushers Batman into the warm precinct, where a handful of officers are singing and decorating. Tonight is going to be different. I know it. He sounds almost inspired, but nothing ever happens just by saying it. Come on, Batman. How about contributing your deep vocal cords to some Christmas carols? Why not? I can enjoy myself until something happens. Merrily... Batman and the GCPD officers begin to sing. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way Bells on bobtails ring, making spirits bright What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. On the streets of Gotham, a young boy snatches a package from a woman's arms. He sprints to his friends, excitedly tearing off the paper. They open the box, however, finding not fine jewelry, but a Batman doll, a symbol of justice and kindness. This doll was obviously supposed to go to an innocent child, perhaps his only gift on Christmas morning. With fumbling hands, the four boys carefully rewrap the doll as best as they can and return it to the grateful mother. Back at the GCPD, Batman and the GCPD officers continue singing Christmas carols. We three kings of Orient are Bearing gifts we traverse afar Field and fountain, moor and mountain 
mountain following yonder star. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. A man stalks the snowy sidewalks, a revolver in his trembling hand. He is suddenly pushed to the ground and realizes in terror that he has been confronted by the Dark Knight himself. However, when the masked manhunter turns to face him, he is only a man in a costume. What's more, he's wearing dark glasses and a sign that says, Support Wayne Foundation Christmas Drive for the Blind. Why, he isn't the Batman at all. Just a blind man out busking for donations. The would-be criminal is rattled. He was lucky this time. He abandons his revolver in a trash can, his dark task forgotten. Back at the GCPD, Batman and the GCPD officers continue singing Christmas carols. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. A woman sobs in her apartment over a letter. Some horrible news from Uncle Sam. She ventures out into the cold and buys a flower from a cellar, her husband's favorite kind. Standing on a bridge over the dark water, she reads and rereads the letter. Her eyes blurry with tears. She sees the long shadow the bridge casts in the water and believes it resembles a bat. She wishes she could be with her hero tonight. She tosses the flower into the water, a final goodbye. Suddenly, she hears someone call her name and turns to see the sweet sight of a returning army truck. She leaps into her husband's arms, overwhelmed with relief and joy at her own Christmas miracle. As the moon hangs low in the sky, Batman and the night shift officers sing one final round of carols. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round young virgin mother and child, holy infant so Heavens, it's six o'clock. We've been singing here all night. We haven't been disturbed by one report of robbery, murder, drug peddling, anything. It's like the spirit of Christmas peace took hold on everyone. Suddenly, a ghostly figure appears beside our hero. Could it be his father, Thomas Wayne? But what is the Christmas spirit, Batman? Might it not be you or I? What? Batman swipes at empty air. My eyes! They're playing tricks on me! Batman comes to his senses and sees himself surrounded by the GCPD officers. Huh? Amazing! 
We've been waiting here all night and not a single call has come in for you. It appears the investment you've put into this city has paid off tonight, giving you a night off. Investment? Spirit of Batman? Christmas spirit. Hmm. As the spirit of the peaceful night becomes one with the city, dawn creeps and covers the skyline and a new day begins. For 2,000 years, mystics have experienced the many mysteries surrounding Christmas. Today there is one more, the silent night of the Batman. Sleep.